right, everybody. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does True Detective Night Country. Check us out at DVRpodcast.com. Become a patron. You can actually become a free patron if you just want to try it out. And uh, you can also listen to our past library at patreon.com slash DVR. My name is Axel, of course, and with me is my man, Heath. Heath, how you doing, partner? Oh, I'm doing great. Having some decaf coffee, going over some old files. Nice. Just uh, waiting for some stuff to thaw out <laughs> for dinner tomorrow. No, I'm doing great, man. Another great episode. So stoked to talk to you about it. Yeah. And uh, dive into this world of night country. Yeah, that was a little bit of an Ando intro there, Solo. I yeah. did. I did it for him. I did it yes. for our buddy Ando who is one of our hosts on Around the Couch, and uh, you guys did Murder at the End of the World, available at dvrpodcast.com. little plug there. I, yeah, I want to do a little ando. I Normally, like I don't like saying something from the show <laughs> is what I'm doing, but, you know, I'm starting to come around. Yeah, I thought it was good. And you know what? If you want to talk to ando and some of the other people you might hear in our network, join our Facebook page. We've had like 10, 20 people join this week. Um, since the last episode, just look up daily DVR, a TV and film podcast on Facebook. We like to talk about it. We talk about TV and film, how to have a lot of posts and people talking about true detective, of course, too. So come on over there. It's a fun place to be. And hopefully we'll have Ando on the pod at some point this season maybe even we'll have our friend mike from one mike it's his birthday happy birthday mike i was just listening to happy his birthday show. brother go yeah. lions oh that's right um but let's get into it tonight of course we're talking about episode two of season four of true detective i think i guess technically episode four of season one of true detective night country i don't know if it's going to be a spinoff now Again, uh, written and directed by Issa Lopez, our showrunner. This, I love the episode. I mean, I feel like um, learning about these people, I'm learning about Ennis, I'm learning about how to say Talal, uh, so I know actually how to say things now. I think we have a wow. firmer grasp on the relationships, who's whose daughter, stepdaughter, we know that um, our our uh, our main star here, Jodie Foster, Liz Danvers, has basically fucked every dude in town, and uh, and we have a couple dead people uh, frozen in a hockey rink. So, what else can you ask for? What did you think of this episode? <laughs> wow, you know what? I think we'll just stop there. No, there it was it, it, no, it was a perfect part two to the season. Because it dove into the case, we got more information on what these scientists were doing. We really get into these characters, and it's not like overblown, like too much. We're really through their interactions, really learning a lot about everyone and realizing a lot of people are assholes. But <laughs> wouldn't you be an asshole if you lived in this secluded community i mean there was a great shot at the beginning of the episode axel i know you appreciate this where you see the mountains and it's all dark and then yeah. you see the city uh, lit up and it's just like it gives you that sense of oh my god that's where they're all at <laughs> yeah. you know and and there's one too they've done this shot for two episodes but i wanted them to do it longer 
they did. I forgot to mention it in the first episode, and they do it from a different angle in this episode. But when you see like um, a place lit up, and then you see a car coming, and you see the headlights and all the darkness in between, yeah. But you see the two lighted. It's just so cool, and it just really gets you into this environment. And you, you know, so it's just. Uh, I mean, the transitions are great, and uh, we really um, got to see more of Fiona Shaw this episode. Got some uh, <laughs> some reveals, mm-hmm. stuff we thought was going to happen mm-hmm. did happen. Some things we heard through the grapevine did happen, confirmed. But uh, one thing I will do, I know um, I'd like to get into the connections, yes. because this season, Axel seems to really be connecting with season one. And I started watching the first couple episodes of season one. Again, my wife had never seen that. We, we actually finished season two. She thought she liked that one more. It was, she was disappointed. I, I have my issues with season two, but I, I enjoy it. But when you compare it to season one, three or four, <laughs> it's tough because it is it's just a different show if it was called like law and order la it'd be like oh that was pretty good but there are so many similarities with um this season and the first season and uh, let me just uh go over some normal stuff that everyone knows some stuff i picked up watching the first two episodes and then I- i'd like to hear some of your take um, so of course the spiral symbol Axel, which we saw, we've got the tattoo, um, you know, and, and that's the whole symbol in the van and, and the whole thing that was the main symbol from season one. Um, the van has very yellow King type voodoo type stuff yep. in there. Um, there's one time, uh, Rust Cole played by Matthew McConaughey in season one, I believe sees a ghost he sees premonitions with he kind of doesn't call them hallucinations because they know he knows they're not real but he asks uh the woody harrelson character do you believe in ghosts and of course woody this is the time early in the relationship where he's like just shut up stop talking about this stuff (laughs) um so the whole like seeing people the spirituality ghosts versus you know spiritual versus mental health that's going on and of course we do get the reveal um that Rose slept with uh, Russ's dad, Travis Cole. Um, and in the first uh, couple episodes, Russ says he grew up in Alaska. You know, he talks about, um, you know, his dad in Alaska briefly. So it's it's interesting how they really matched it up uh, so far uh, in Night Country. Um, and then the Tuttle name. Well, we you know, the governor of Louisiana during True Detective Season 1 was a Tuttle. Uh, the Preacher that appears in um, the pilot episode, a Tuttle. So, um, and then at the end of episode one, which is kind of like the big, all right, we're headed for a great season is when McConaughey's like, when he's getting interviewed by the two cops, he says, start asking the right fucking questions. And we get that a lot with Liz and, and Pete. When they're going over everything, it's like they keep, you know, ask questions. Well, that's not, you know, and she's all about, we're, you know, I don't know what's happening, but we didn't, we're not asking the right questions. So that, that correlation with you have to be answering or asking the right questions. And then, of course, Navarro, the how is her big reveal. And so there, there's a lot of, I like 
the dynamic of having season one and season four connected in certain ways thematically and just the way some of these characters are acting and the way they're going about things so um are you first off are you are you happy they're doing this and this is weird because we have four seasons of a show it's kind of an anthology but this is the first time that the seasons really have a real mirror image or connection yeah oh i think i I, first of all i I fucking love it i i think it's fantastic i think the way they've done it um is really cool i mean of course like you said we see the spot the spiral is the tattoo that annie and clark both got it's also on uh, the forehead of what's the guy's name here. I had it in my notes here. Uh, Alf- Lund, Lund, the same guy who wakes up, one of, who's in the corpsicle, the frozen bodies, and all of a right. sudden wakes up. His name is Lund, and he's the one who has it. We don't know if it's drawn on or tattooed onto his forehead as well. Um, so he, we don't, we don't check back with him. We find out that he's been put in an induced coma and he may lose his leg. I think it's said, but so they can't interview him now, but at some point, hopefully they can actually interview like how the fuck you get that shit on your forehead, dude. Like what's going on there? Yeah. I, hopefully it's not just, I don't remember. It probably you know. will be though, right? Yeah. Like, or but he'll mysteriously I could see it die. being. Right. I could see it being a clue or two, maybe that helps the investigation. I don't know if this guy's going to have, because that would be weird where we wait for him to wake up and then he gives us all the info that wouldn't work for me. And I don't think they'll do that, (laughs) but there could be, they'll probably speak in Russ Cole type, uh, or maybe in the last episode he wakes up and it's like, he'll just (laughs) say she's awake and that'll be the only thing that he says the whole entire time. Um, right. And he dies right yeah, after. <laughs> exactly. But I, I, the Tuttle thing. So I have a little bit of an article here. So Tuttle is a reference to Billy Lee Tuttle, the Louisiana reverend and entrepreneur whose family was rev- revealed to be the ringleaders of the sex cult that Hart and Cole were investigating in season one. The cult is believed to be largely defunct by 2012. That's when True Detective Season 1 takes place, in 2012. Now, there's no definitive, I guess, information, clues, what have you, fact of when this exact version is taking place, True Detective Night Country, but it seems to be because of the phones and everything that it's present day. Uh, So it's, you know, 10, 11 years later. Uh, the cult's believed to be larger defunct, with the sole remaining member thought to be Errol Childress, who is killed by Rust in the finale of season one. Uh, now, the spiral itself, the crooked spiral, is a symbol strongly associated with the teachings of the Louisiana sex cult who w- worshipped Hostor, or the Yellow King, an entity speculated to bestow boons in exchange for sacrifices in the form of young children. Um, so I think that the whole connection and the way that Peter finds out the way they just kind of slip it in there, that, that Talal Arctic research station is being funded by them and what they're researching is life extension, right? Because when she interviews, Mm -hmm. when Danvers goes and visits the geology professor or, or, 
or high school teacher, maybe I should say better, who she seems to be fucking as well. Um, right? Didn't didn't you get that? Right? She goes, well, yeah. She goes, not at school. I, I told you not to come here. And he's, she's like, I'm not here for that. He's like, she's so, like, I'm not here for that. But if you want to go in the fucking room over there and turn the lights, yeah, in the room out, closet, uh, you know, uh, I hear it's pretty comfy. Uh, just no, like, you know, they got the captain later. Um, is a, oh, that's great. But the I way he sells it and talks to her about, you know, they could solve, you know, diseases and cancer and all this. But it also clues in to what we were talking about last week and which we had, you know, Andy had a good theory about there's something in the water that was mentioned again this episode, right? That the water has. Yeah, turning black. Yep. It's turned black in some homes. So um, um, we have that connection as well. Um, just, uh, I mean, I, I love all these connections to season one. And to me, yeah, this does seem like more of a direct, like this could be season two. Of this, I was you know? thinking the same exact thing, Axel, because it really does feel like, I mean, you know, times they'll sometimes do movies and be like, you know, like in Halloween, forget the uh, H2O and, you know, yeah. all those Halloween movies. This is actually the proper sequel. It does feel like this could have been season two easily, you know, if you were doing more, you know, connectivity thing throughout the seasons but one thing too the geologist uh, teacher does say that the work they're doing it's like they're never going to be able to do it he mentioned something like it's impossible and it, and he, he talks about how this particular station these these guys there there's no shift change after like six months or something like other places do um they don't come into town they don't have visitors and so, yeah. it, 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 but he's talking about how it, you know, this will never happen. It's, it, it's impossible. They'll never get this work done. Right. Or he mentioned something like that. I, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have the exact quote, Yeah, but it's think, interesting uh, that, that, that had a geologist <laughs> say this to us. Well, I think but, that that's, that maybe you could see that from two ways, right? You could see one, maybe that's why he's teaching and they're the ones doing the work right, right. in there, right? No offense to teachers. I was a teacher. Um, but also just to kind of give us the impression of how groundbreaking, how crazy this could be, which ties into the whole, there's something in the water theory, that, that kind of stuff, uh, which I think is interesting because, but then if you kind of turn it around and we talk about the reason why we started talking about this, which was that the laboratory is funded by this Tuttle family who has connections to this cult that was sacrificing children and doing crazy shit to try to get some sort of, um, I don't know what it, money, success, power, right? All that kind of stuff. Do Did that extend... A, like, I don't know, was there like a, a different Tuttle that wasn't a preacher, but was like, hey, let's go dig in the Arctic. What's the connection there, you know? You bring up a great point because there seem to be like a moguls now. They're into, yeah, you know, yeah. cruise lines and oils and all kinds of stuff. A multinational. So yeah, so they're like uh, uh, I almost said Dolce and Gabbana. That's a Procter and Gamble kind of <laughs> Dolce. And Gabbana. Exactly, Procter um, and Gamble is a good, you know. Yeah. And so 
if this is say 10 years later, there's a good chance over a decade, ah, they, they could have really established point. to be a big mogul yeah, succession now. style, right? Like they, they branched right, out right. after what happened, they branched out. But now this goes into a kind of a bigger theory and mm-hmm. that I had. And then when I looked online, I found out that, Hey, this is other people had this same theory, which is the idea that there is like a yellow king and maybe a blue queen. And this is some sort oh. of power that the, their their investigations into the yellow king and the sacrifices they had to make and all that kind of stuff. Maybe they wanted to subvert that or something or awaken some other because they we're hearing she's awake. This is obviously a female centered show. Our two detectives are female. Our two detectives in season one were male. Yellow King, right. Blue Queen. Oh, They've yeah. awakened this spirit that goes that is takes out all these dudes who maybe weren't, I don't know, they seem nice guys. He was just making a TikTok and a sandwich. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, they were doing. They were singing Barry White karaoke all hammer. Yeah, they seemed like nice no, but guys, that, but it's that's an a great point, Axel. If 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 say it's the Blue Queen or whatever, right? And that teacher says something about the work they're doing. They're never going to find what they, you know, they're, they're never going to be successful. Well, maybe they're doing it for different reasons, like you said, yeah. to awake something. It's and it's it's a cover. And that origin, and now they finally hit something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That origin ties into nature, female centered power, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you also have the death of Annie, who was a, a young indigenous woman who was also kind of standing against the mine. We still don't the mine is another thing here, another like source of, of like concrete power structure or whatever you want, or system. That exists. We don't know who owns the mine, who's running the mine. We know that the woman who runs Kate. Kate, okay, who, who owns the yeah, said. she owns the uh, the the hockey rink. Yeah, she owns a um, rink. Or I thought that they said the mine owned the rink and she was in charge. But maybe oh, I'm maybe okay, okay. No, no, no. I I could be wrong. I I, I assume she owned it. And but Liz it, also whether she owns it or not. Too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and she, she, yeah, <laughs> while they were married, yeah. Oh, Lizzie Danvers. So what, <laughs> the mine is the thing to me that I think we need to find out more about because that's got to be yes. another power here. And whatever they were awakening in that mind, maybe the reason why Annie was protesting and all that didn't have to do with the really the water, but it had to do with the spirit world or what they were awakening down there. And maybe the Clark Raymond Clark, I think is his name at the Talal station. Yeah. Perhaps he uh, told her about that. Like they knew something was going on. Like he knew we awoken something when we drilled down or is there's what's the connection there. They're both drilling into the earth, you know? The mine, yeah, the you know, Talal. and I want to, I, I want to piggyback on that a little bit because you know how Liz, when um, her daughter, what's her, what's her daughter's name? I want to say Lauren, Leah. Leah. Um, you know her how when she was, I believe, right? Okay, she does have the same last name, so it's probably, yeah, it could be stepdaughter. I think I, from the flashback we get, 
we were correct that she had a young son who seemed son, to have died yeah. with the father in a Holden, car crash. Yeah. And yeah. that the, Leah is the one left behind. For a second, I thought that Peter's wife, Kayla, was also her stepdaughter, but that's just Leah's friend. That's yeah, Leah's yeah. close friend. Maybe that's how they yeah. met and all that. But. So when Leah was with um, her grandmother, uh, her friend's grandmother, um, Pete's wife, and I can't remember her name. Ka- Kayla, I, I believe it Kayla. is. And, you know, she has the markings on her chin that, right. of course, were marker or not. And Liz freaks out. And she's like, I, you know, I don't want her to be a night nurse like you. And, you know, and, and she's really gone like class A bitch about this. And I'm trying to think, like, why would Liz be so mad at Leah trying to um, channel her culture, learn more about her culture, become. And I came up with two things. One, I was thinking the way indigenous people are treated and the way, you know, a lot of women go missing are murdered and no one cares. She doesn't want her. She wants her to blend in more versus being out there. Yeah. But then I was thinking protection. Yeah. and, And that's why. But then I was thinking, well, what if she knows more than she's letting on about the Annie K case, the, some of these secrets oh. and she doesn't want her, you know what I mean? Mm. So like, like you were just wow. mentioning how maybe Annie K was protesting something more spiritually than the actual, and you know, maybe yeah. Danvers knew more and well, that's why she's being such a so I think that's an amazing idea because first of all, we really still don't even know that they, we tried to figure out, we'd learned a little bit more about the history between Navarro and Danvers when they work together and how then obviously at the end of the episode, reluctantly, she's like, we have to put the cases together, but she doesn't mm-hmm. right? She didn't want to work with her. So there's, I, I, I was thinking during this, are we going to get like a flashback a little bit to see like how they work together before what really went down, um, uh, that kind of thing. I think that's interesting. And also if you remember in the first episode, the first couple times that this was mentioned and also she says the same th- when this murder happened and Annie K she made reference to this town killed her. There's forces right, that Ennis, yeah. never, yeah, Ennis did it. There's forces that just were working against us and we'll never figure it out. Like, and she said it about this case too. She was like, we'll, we'll never figure it out. It was almost as if, like you saying, she knows maybe, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not, facts that she knows solo maybe it's just the feeling she knows as a cop Mm -hmm. that this is going to take us places that i'm not ready to go and she's just really scared like the same thing you're saying about being scared about her daughter but i did also want to mention that when we get the flashback to them dancing right and i think it was get down tonight right or, oh, no. no. Oh, it was a different No, song. it was okay. Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh, that's right. Okay. Get down to the Beatles when she's lying with her son. We yes, heard the twist and show. That's right. That's right. That's where we get instead of the car crash. It was just like a, a, a memory. Maybe it was yeah. that she says her father was like a hippie 
right? And maybe he, he smoked weed and maybe Liz even got high, right? So right, maybe right. it's that her, the father had rejected his culture and she's oh. just playing out what the father what? did onto the daughter because she, she's obviously not being a great mom. You know what I'm saying? So no. Yeah. She treats you like crap. That's an idea because that's at play too because I think that's an interesting idea mm. that exists within this too. We see with the way that Navarro and her sister – we see her sister again, and they're very—they're accepting of their culture. But we have to remember, like we're white dudes, we want to be, you know, progressive about things and say, well, respect people. Cult-. But there are people who are part of these cultures who don't want to be right, who reject their right, own culture, right. and who right. don't want to be like uh, just from watching, like Reservation Dogs, which I think has taught a lot of people about uh, indigenous people in America. There's people in that show are like, fuck that shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's different aspects to it, which is another why, reason why I like this show. It's because I think like with the scene we get with Navarro and her boy toy again, where <laughs> he's awesome. Yeah, I love she's that just in control, but then he's kind of toying with that. Oh, you're soft in the middle. I like the way this show is plays with everything. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not just the gender stuff or social issue. It's the whole, this whole world exists within itself. Like you're saying, where we see the picture there, Rick, out there in the middle of nowhere. But also, I kept on saying to my wife, it kept on being night. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. The sun is not going to come up this whole fucking season. <laughs> so it's like, we don't even well, know what before time the it bar, is. We know nothing. Before the bar fight. Um, when Navarro goes into the bar, it's like, do you want some, her sister was like, do you want some lunch? And I'm like, oh my God, this is lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> like you just assume it's night, but you, and I like yeah. the, the playing of that because we don't know. I mean, they're cooking Navarro's boy toy was cooking waffles, you know, and they're eating. It was, was that nighttime? Was that in the morning? Would, did she work all night? You don't know. Did, was she coming right. in the morning? But she did say she was going to stop by to, tonight. But or wasn't gonna, and then did after he took his bath. So, um, yeah, no, that I love the playing of that because you really don't know; it's just continuous, and 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 it, and it gets you into that mindset of how these characters feel yeah. during. I mean, yep. Danvers even mentioned how, oh yeah, you you assigned me or promoted, you know, he says promoted, but you know, you assigned me here because you know. 30 days of darkness or, you know, the, the, the crime and everything and to control it. Um, Captain Connolly there, Chris Eccleston, um, their relationship was interesting. I like the way too, um, how she was say she was, you know, he kept on saying, you just want this case to fuck with me. And maybe maybe it is a little bit that, but I think it's more so that she, I think she knew the connection as soon as she saw that tongue. I mean, come on, it was some big case where the girl had her tongue cut out. Right. So I think that is really what's driving her, but their relationship, that's an interesting relationship. They've been fucking for 19 years through. He doesn't even realize how long they have. He's like, well, I got married 19 years ago. Yeah. And, and, and I, you wonder how long, and yeah, they both through marriages and it just goes to show how this whole town is so incestuous, right? And everybody knows everybody's business, but yet there's still yeah. these secrets, right? 
um, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Um, do you want to get into I, I want little... Oh, go ahead, buddy. I was going to bring something up. So, again, I, I love the Danvers-Navarro dynamic. And, you know, Navarro does mention something like when, when, she, when at the end, when, you know, she's in her place, no one locks their do- doors. And they're about basically coming to grips with we got to work together. And Navarro tries to apologize and wants to go over something in the past. And Danvers wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, and which was interesting because it looked like Navarro actually did want to extend an olive branch and, and, and to move on. But they decide, okay, once this is done, we're parting ways. We're never working together again. But I just wanted to compare the two ways they screw guys. <laughs> and it goes to their characters. I guess Navarro, when she screwed the SpongeBob Kovac or whatever his name is, um, the bartender, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't want to come and she just basically made him, you know, she was in control. And then the opposite with, uh, with Danvers and Conley, you know, he was about to, and she's like, no, you don't, it, you know, I just, I know it probably doesn't mean much, but it's in- interesting, the power dynamic there. Where it's they both kind of are in control. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're two different kinds of power, but for different circumstances, but the same. And it just goes to their their strengths. And I think that um, the dynamic between them, it's interesting because why do they butt heads so much? And they're probably a lot like in certain ways. Navarro seems to go Definitely. about a little different way. But, you know, and it's just like, again, I, you know, there's a reason I think for those two sex scenes is to really show, I don't know, just it shows more. I I, I don't know if I'm uh, stepping on my words here or whatever, or if I, I'm just, I just, <laughs> for some reason that just stuck with me and not the actual sex scenes, but just, you know, just the whole um, with those characters. I like how they showed how they're both in bed kind of thing uh, to, to kind of, you know, it just, it shows you the depth yeah. and, 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 and it really does. And it's, and I'm glad they're not afraid to do it because, you know, it's the double standard where we see guys having sex. Oh, they're cool, you know, whatever. But I like I just love having the strong female characters. And then, you know, you got Navarro, who's so tough and she's, you know, a personality. But then she has that moment when she's driving in her car, when the Spice Girls comes on and she's voice texting or her sister. And she had a, like a happy moment there. And then, of course, found the found the cross and almost crashed. Um, so, oh, yeah. that was so, I mean, the, oh, I wanted to say something. Yeah, that, please go. That go. was interesting, wasn't it? That little shot there was that her mom? Did her was her mom possessed so. or some shit? Like, or she was going well, definitely with her mental issues or whatever happened. Yeah. she was going nuts and almost like she was like pointing to them yeah. that you know you you you're, you got bad in you or something. Yes, and so. I so I was thinking, Axel, like, how did the cross get in there? Was it, did Jules have it, dropped it in there? Um, did, you know, was it, pla- and I, I doubt it was planted there, but it was just seemed odd because she was shocked to see the cross in her, in her, in her, in her SUV. I would say her sister. We saw her with her sister right. earlier. Yeah, yeah, probably just dropped. Yeah, dropped yeah, or something. Yeah. I mean, not that we'll ever, we may never find out, right? So. Yeah, no, no. It, Again, I'm just it seems like every detail means something that I'm just but I don't want to over over analyze it like we did with Lost and some other shows. <laughs> well, we'll you get know, into I, it. We'll we'll have some yeah. sometimes. No, we, we will, will but I don't want to 
I don't want to be like, oh, that book on the shelf at that miner's uh, little dorm room. <laughs> you know, I got to go buy it now and read it. Well, hey, it made you read a book. That's good, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, we didn't. We mentioned it, but we didn't talk a ton about Travis who rose who we saw yes. travis in episode one he he led rose to the dead bodies and then we find his, about his story rose talks about him and how he had leukemia and he came there to die and all that kind of stuff we find out he is indeed russ cole and this has now been confirmed through hbo and i think through an interview i didn't read the interview because i don't some some interviews and stuff i'm like now I don't want to get no spo- like spoiler stuff, but HBO has been. I've been. I was telling you about this today on their socials, as they call them. I'm old, so it's just Facebook for me. No Insta or <laughs> Ticker Talker or whatever the fuck this other other shit is. But anyway, they've they confirmed it. Long story short, he's the father of Russ Cole, who was Matthew McConaughey, um, and we actually had a early. Uh, email from Jamie, Jamie Henderson. Thanks for the email, Jamie. You can email us at uh, dailydvr at gmail.com. That's dailydvr at gmail.com saying, because it, it's the same spelling, C-O-H-L-E. Um, it is That's his dad. What significance... Do you, are we gonna? Do you think we're gonna find, is there gonna be more to this? Now people are saying, oh, Russ Cole... Could, would be 60 something years old right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and how long ago did this happen? Is there some kind of time distortion? Time is a flat circle. We haven't had a lot of time talk yet, right? Though we've had a lot of just talk the, about Yeah, the just the darkness, just the yes. darkness of time and not knowing what time it is. Exactly. Um, but, you I know, know. I, what do you think? I, I, you know, I don't think he wouldn't be 60. I just read that like, somewhere that he was supposed or maybe close to maybe in his late fifties. Well, I guess late fifties that okay. would, that would make a little sense. Cause you, if you're, if you're, you know, 2012, say 10, you say this is 2022, probably when they shot it, I think when they were starting to shoot it or 2023, whatever, um, you know, that's 10 years. Okay. What is he? Maybe 35, 38 in the night in 95. Yeah. And cause he looked flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, in his probably fifty. Yeah, I guess yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah, it could be late fifties, early sixties. He could. I mean, they could make him look. He's probably his dad's age, you know, now than when Travis. Because we don't know what when Travis died, but we know Navarro knows Travis. Um, and I don't know why. Why is six years in my brain in this show? Is that when Annie K died six years prior, or am I making I that up? I don't know. I, I don't remember. Know. That's I feel like six years one. is significant, but, but anyway, um, well, I mean, it would, you know, it's funny cause you know, the way Rose is with, you know, talking about, you know, mental illness and spirit world and, and, you know, and even the vendor talks about how during this time of darkness, we see things here. Yes. You right. know, he's like, you we know see, that. And he talks about it. Like, you know that yeah, everybody knows like it's common knowledge. Yeah. Like we see things and, so it, it, it's just, you know, how, how, how in touch was his dad, uh, dad must've like, cause rust grew up in Alaska and then he probably moved to Texas and then Louisiana. I don't know the exact timeline when, 
Um, again, eight years, I want to say he was in Alaska, but I could be, I'm probably wrong. I don't know why these numbers are coming at me, but, uh, but so, I mean, his dad and with his connection with Rose and how Rose is, there's gotta be, um, there's gotta, he, his dad has to have some connection with this city and, and the spirit world. And that might be a little, you know, part of the reason why rust is a little out there and thinks yeah. that way, you know, so, he probably learned it from his dad. You think, um, it, it, or it, you know? It, oh, go ahead, buddy. No, no, no. I was just. I was, I was just saying. So you, you think it's just kind of ethereally oh, connected yeah, to power, right? Like they, they, they are connected to it, right? They're open to this world, so they've been sucked into this story somehow. Like, is it just coincidence that his dad is there and he is there? I, I don't know. I don't know that we do. I need more of it. I guess I ask myself too. I don't need more. That's kind of cool. No. for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't need more. I don't, I don't need Russ Cole showing up to save the day. I don't need that though. It would be cool though. If McConaughey shows and anytime up. McConaughey shows up, I'm, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. So, but, but I, I it just, it goes to the whole dynamic of when you're born there. Um, and, 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 and versus like a Danvers who's come from somewhere else, it seems, and didn't wasn't born there. And the disconnect she has or the perspective she has versus people who live there and believe certain things. So, yeah. So I think, you know, his dad was definitely connected there. Russ probably has some sort of connection there as well. Um, and, you know, brought it on to his stateside uh, doings. But. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get more with that or if it just kind of ends there with mm-hmm. Travis. Uh, that'll be interesting um, because because uh, Rose does show up and she says, when you see a vision or some or see the dead, there's three things that they, they could want to take you with you, take them with you, tell you something or. I can't remember the third <laughs> that I missed you. I forget what the third one was. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, to anyway, but there's you, different. I think maybe to, what yeah, was the first one? It was like comfort you. One was good. One was bad, and then one was like the the last one was the scary one. Like yeah, yeah, to take you with them. Important um, to tell you. Yeah, but that's but that is interesting. How Rose is connected, and she basically lays it out. And Navarro is very like because she's a transplant as well um which is interesting i forget about that because you know when when her when when her sister is like she says why do we move here here. yeah for the benefits for the benefits you know (laughs) she says i i i I move i work here because the you know i moved here because of the benefits so but But, she seems to have more of alaska though so right yeah i think you're right you don't know where right and her sister her sister ha- seems to have the same tattoos as uh, Leah was putting on her face, right? So maybe they're, right. I don't know if they're of the same tribe or people. Or, yeah, they um, could be from Alaska. It just yeah. I guess because of the Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota uh, Vikings. sweatshirt, we, we assume Danvers is from not from Alaska, but we don't know that for yeah. sure. There's still she could so, just be a fan. And a lot, of, I mean, we could find out next episode that leah is her kid you know we don't there's still i mean i think there was that one line in episode one where she's like my dad and she kind of and she calls her liz a lot right so it does sound like yeah she doesn't, she doesn't call say her mom, mom. I don't so yeah um all right hey we've got a bunch of 
yeah, emails and feedback on the, on the Facebook. And um, I'm going to go through it. We'll talk, you know, we'll kind of jump around. Um, yeah, that sounds good. First off, I made a mistake last week. Both Bob and Annie wrote in. It wasn't Mark David Chapman, John Lennon's assassin that was trying to impress Jodie Foster. It was John Hinckley, the guy who shot Ronald Reagan. Oh, well, yeah. And I and I gave you the thumbs up on that one. Yeah. So I think uh, I got yeah. the whole taxi driver, New York, John let like, I think that just, <laughs> right. <laughs> and Jody Foster's in taxi. Yeah. Driver, I just, know. I got it all yeah. like kind of, ble- but thank you for that. I'm sorry. I got my, there's a lot of crazy. I, I said, and someone else said it to, uh, and I had the same line, which is there's so many crazy people in this world. It's hard to kind of remember all of their stories. Um, but Bob brought up that he, and he suggests our listeners, to check out the program Fortitude, which was originally like a co-production and it was on some cable network that I don't think exists anymore, but it's available on Amazon. And uh, there were three seasons of it. I think they changed the lead each season. I think it was like Dennis Yeah, Quaid. Dennis Quaid okay. is like the second. Okay, I ordered the first two Blu-rays, the first two seasons after I saw that post. Oh, okay. Because I was like Arctic. And I'm like, season yeah. like season three wasn't out on Blu-ray. Just It was just an import. But I'm, I'm getting the first two because after Night Country, I'm going to dive into it because I have to now I'm obsessed with snow in Alaska. (laughs) He says there's a lot of similarity, so I'm not going to give them away, but um, it does delve into the kind of Arctic laboratory. What did they find in there? You know, which is also an early sci-fi story. The thing, of course we know, and that's like, you know, there's some other stories uh, that have a great that. episode of X Files. Yes, yeah. Um, Things buried that, in the snow know. is an old kind of thing, as well as like yeah. indigenous stuff. Um, now he says, um, I don't think that that Issa Lopez is ripping Fortitude off, but people should check it out. Um, I told uh, about Jamie's uh email yes and uh let's see we what else do we got um on the old facebook where i put our ooh we got a lot of bill kava says something with what they're all eating and drinking there was food or drink or toothbrushing nearly every scene um, Talal was researching what's happening. Geobiologists study the relate the relation and effect of the earth and the organ organisms that populate it. Um, Alex says Liz and Navarro both have their haunting hallucination type thing after brushing their teeth. I think you talked about that. Um, and then they're talking about how everybody seems to have stockpiled goods in their house. Um, and sometimes things can go bad, you know, like they're in the cans or something, but I think it's, well, yeah, more- 30 days of darkness. You, you, uh, you know, when you're in a community like this, you have to be prepared in case you get snowed in or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that's the, and I've been reading around too. I think the water thing 
something in the water, somehow the biologist got something in the water is a is definitely a theory. Ando brought it up last week. We've talked about it a bit. Um, and it does seem to be, you know, the obsessing people eating things and and the people also, you know, one of the things I was thinking about that ice rink shot was so cool because it was awesome. It's always really cool when you see a set piece, a big set, and there's a lot of people in it. And then you see it with nobody in it and just those bodies, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. inverted. And it's so interesting. It was shot so well. And it looks so cool. But I was thinking like that water is going to start like going into the ice rink and then they're going to be skating and falling. Like, is that really safe? I guess if you don't drink it, you're yeah, good, right? I don't know. Maybe they should have just <laughs> no, I like know what you're saying. put up like those barriers they do when there's like rain coming or like a flood, you know, like sacks of sand or some shit. Um. I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I don't know. Uh let's see. Um yeah, Alex confirms Lund is the head scientist of the lab. That's the one with the spiral on his forehead and he woke up and had a, uh his arm snapped off. Now is an induced coma. Clark, our lead suspect was not in the frozen pile of the bodies. The six other right. scientists are frozen. So Clark is what do you think? You think Clark is alive? Okay. Is he out there? What do you think's going on here? Did he do this? Well, What's up? It's well, I mean, until we find a body, I believe he's out there. I mean, Navarro says he's alive and out there, whether that's true or not. Uh, but I want to take a minute here and talk about Clark and about the the corpsicle and the group of guys. Uh, so Clark was very connected with Annie K, of course. We'll, we'll probably talk about it a little later or whatever or at the end, whenever about the van and, you know, the season one uh, shrine. <laughs> um, but so these guys were naked. They're out there. And then we see their clothes folded and their shoes yeah. and everything. And it's like, okay, did Clark, if Clark's not, not with the dead bodies, was he there doing that? But, but wait, but solo. Well, didn't those well, hold, shoes look old to you, though? Because you say, okay, but okay, go ahead. I'm no, listening. yeah, no, I, 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 some people were talking about that. I think whether those shoes were old or not, that could have been indoor wear because it looked like at uh, the time everyone's just yes. kind of chilling out, right, watching dude. Ferris Bueller, like doing yep. TikTok videos. So like that might slipper, have been just slipper like slipper type happening. things because I think, because you know, they do the, the the vent, uh, they do talk about how um, when um, I think the house, uh, the maids or the housekeeping were talking about how or somebody so I forget which one was talking about how Robert Clark um, that uh, was, you know, say, saying nonsense and roaming around yes, naked, yep. you know, and he wasn't all there. I think maybe even the vending machine guy, I think he was the one who saw him uh, naked. Um, and so all these guys were naked and it's like, did something because we saw that you, you were right. We did see the other side of that TikTok video when he's saying mm -hmm. she's awake mm -hmm. and convulsing. And then the light seems to go out. Um, did, is that when it happened? Or were people in the shower or getting ready for bed naked? What got them? And, they, you know, Pete and Danvers talk about this. Like, you know, when they're going over the scenarios, why would they go outside in freezing temperatures buck naked or without their shoes or whatever? Um 
And, but why would they, okay. So it's like, why would they take them off if they did run out in their clothes and then who folded them? And then, but could they have been already mostly naked after the incident happened? Were they going crazy, taking their clothes off? Did some of them have their clothes off already and then leave the facility because something was happening in the facility? And now I'm thinking the vending guy who saw like that image of someone walk by, was that Robert? Yes, we mentioned that last week. Yeah. Now, was Clark the guy who was shaking and said she's awake? I believe that's him. Yes. Cause I was looking at, he seems, well, I on IMDb, he's too. the only bearded one. I yeah. think it is him. I think that is him. He seems like the guy in the picture with the I, beard. I gotta go. I gotta watch that again. I think cause... he's the only bearded one of the main of the, of the corpses and stuff or, or I, I'm I can't not sure if the dudes making the sandwich says his name. Like if he says Clarky or, 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 or <laughs> yeah, I don't Raymond think... or I don't know, or, Ray or oh, something? is it Raymond? I call him Robert. Uh, it's Raymond, right? Is it Raymond? I, don't I think know. it's Ray. I'm just because re- I was just okay, I'm calling him Mike's, Robert. Uh, one know. Mike on it, and he I think he said it was Raymond. So Raymond. Okay, Raymond. so Ray Ray Clark, Raymond Clark, not Robert Clark. My apologies. Um, um, I love the scene when he goes and gets the cell phone, but I do have to say that's a little played out now, right? Like they do, they've done that in so dead many body movies. with the phone, yeah, yeah, using the yeah. phone to open the thing and then you also think to yourself while you're watching that you're like someday i'm gonna fucking die and somebody's gonna do that they're, that's how they're gonna my wife says it every phone. time she goes that's why i do the <laughs> fingerprint i'm like well if you're dead they can do the fingerprint too um, no you gotta just have a secret code man nothing just yeah. but, but it's so much easier to have the thing but i'm like if i'm dead and what do i care if someone's getting into my phone yeah <laughs> But that, I mean, it was interesting that it happened to be the TikTok guy. I like the connection there, but yeah, it's, it's been done. And cause Liz is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, good thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Do, do you think there's anything? So, yeah. So do you have any theories on, um, I know it's tough cause it could be multiple things of why these guys ran out and are all naked and froze uh, together. Know, I mean, if I go the supernatural route, I think were they sacrificing themselves? Were they pushed into a sacrifice or were they hallucinating and and um were they tricked by Clark as was was it a revenge for Annie? Did they somehow have to do with what happened to Annie? Maybe what happened to Annie had nothing to do with her uh, protesting the mine, it had to do with their spiral tattoos and what happened inside of the uh, Talal station, and maybe all those happy videos we saw were way older, you know, or something. I don't know. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm just. I mean, it, or it's tough. We could think they 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 drank something or they found some kind of microbe when they were digging and they went nuts. Right now, there is the que- now the the folded clothes to me. That's the thing is they. I like what you said is that it's like their pajamas, their chilling clothes, right? Because they're like they're ready to go to bed or something. I wonder how yeah. long it was from the video to when shit went nuts. And also, are we yeah. going to get a flashback to see what happened at, right after that? That's that that I wonder. Um, but. I don't know. Uh, I guess right now my prevailing theory, I, I'm I kind of like the 
the supernatural yellow versus like the feminine rising up, taking revenge or power back from this, right? Maybe, maybe even at the tuttles for what they've done to women and children, you know, um, and knew that they were running that place. But I don't know, dude. I don't know. Um, yeah, I got a good one from uh, Alex again on the um, on the Facebook. He says, "Got my eye on Hank Pryor." He tells his new fiance in text he's got some money left. I'm predicting he was paid off to hush the Annie case and hid those files. Don't think he's directly involved, but paid to keep it down. Interesting. Maybe that's why. Maybe that was found out too. Mm, he seemed to have be. some kind of demotion. Gina says, well, I hope his mail order bride is totally catfishing him. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Because she's like, send me photos. And he's like, send, do an old photo. I'm like, wait, you don't have photos of him? I thought he was going to take like, a picture of his dick, dude. Like, if, if, well, if, but that's, that's if true detective someone was says in the to mind me, send me photos, photos, I immediately take a picture of my erect penis and send it to him. That's just. Yeah, no, I get them all the do? time. I'm like, I know. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you, no. you do say send me Whoa. a picture of your dick. But that's. I mean, funny. you always send me stuff. But um, no, so I want to talk Hank real quick. Um, so you, you notice like when um, uh, when uh, Conley comes in and he's kind of giving him information, holding court, everyone seems to respect at least the guys, you know, blowing off steam at the crime scene and in the office. And then when he's walking around the ice rink, every, you know, he's saying hi to everyone. So he seemed to, you know, be liked in the community versus Danvers is hated, as she was told. No one likes her. Um, but yeah, the whole thing, why he, you know, he slaps Pete for stealing his, the files. And we were talking about what, why does he have these files and why is he in no rush to get, you know, I mean, we, you know, it's just, it's interesting that there could be something there where they had to demote him because he did something. Maybe he was paid off by the Tuttles to hide that file. Right. And That's possible. That was something to do with it. And, huh, I'm just kind of, you know, yeah, there could be, there's, I just feel like there's something with Hank that I don't, doesn't feel red herring ish to me. I just feel like there is something, whether he covered something up. You know what? I feel like he's due for a surprise hero moment. That's how I feel solo. Like there, he's kind of, he slapped his son. He's Danvers is down on him. He seems, you know, he seems to be getting taken by this mail order bride lady or whatever, right? I, but I think, or that, man, or man, that's true. Um, you never know, catfishing. Uh, so I don't know. I think there might be a hero moment. Plus, he's such a great actor. I love that dude. Um, yeah, I'm hoping there's something more for Johnny Hawks. Yeah, baby. Um, Gina talks a little bit about how she likes. Uh, seems that Danvers has screwed everyone in the town one way or another. Which is a good mm. point. She has enemies in the town, it seems, too. Like, yep. even Kayla doesn't like her, right? Um, I love that there was someone alive in the frozen human sculpture. The corpsicle really reminds me of how hell was depicted in art several centuries ago. Great call, Gina. That that's a to- great call, Gina. That totally. Re- that's That hit me, and you put it to words. Um, yeah. She says, so anyone else think the symbol is a type of infinity symbol, especially considering the scientists are looking for something that will cure disease, extend life. Now, on his show, Mike said that the symbol was 
also a symbol of rebirth, the spiral. And there was some kind of theories going around that they may have tried to that that Clark tried to revive Annie somehow and bring her back to life. <laughs> and and also there was the question of whether Lund was dead or just frozen. Like how he must have been there for like five days. Like you'd be dead. How is that possible? Right? Yeah. Like, so uh, it, is it in his blood that he was able to come back alive because he's been infected by whatever they found or anything? Um, uh, Gina says $20 packs of Oreos. So much for romanticizing Alaska. <laughs> That's true. That's a lot of money for fucking Oreos. Um, Arctic prices, man. And she says, I think this season is great so far, better than the last couple. Foster is the GOAT, so great they scored her for this. And we don't talk about the, the acting again in this episode. I mean, she this is just great shit, man. And Jodie Foster is awesome, you know. Yeah, I, she's I've one of the best American actresses lately. in our – yeah, no. She, I mean, she directs and, you know, she, there was a, a while there where she was doing like that light plan and – uh the one where oh, I like that. Saeed from Lost gets killed yeah. in an alley. Oh, well, she was in Nyad. Panic She's, Room. Yeah, Panic Room. Nyad is the recent. Yeah, yeah. my wife um, liked But, that. I mean, Panic Room was a while ago. But, um, but yeah, no, she, you know, she picks and chooses her. I remember when she showed up in Inside Man with Denzel and Clive yes. Owen. I was like, oh, Jodie Foster. And she great. kind of played. Yeah, she was great in that. But, no, it's always good. And, you know, and with the change and the evolution of the way you know major movie stars are doing limited series now we're getting this we're getting the julia roberts the jodie fosters excuse me of the world bless you doing these shows uh well it's actually a hiccup but thank you oh. um yeah what you know you hiccup, when someone hiccups is there something you say when someone you hiccups? say you say you're screwed <laughs> i think that's what you if you get, <laughs> oh, I don't you yell at them because you don't you want to yeah. scare him. Try to stop, stop. I did that to my son, and he started crying. He was like, "Dad, why?" Oh. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> buddy, I was just trying to." Um, Harley Quinn says, "Guys, I have a feeling that they're going to be zombie-like people. What do you think?" I, now we have a couple people chiming in. Um, Ando and Gina talking about White Walkers. Um, oh, no. You know. Uh, the spiral nah. is even somewhat similar to some of the artwork we saw in, in GTO. Actually, remember the first episode of Game of Thrones ends with the bodies in a spiral that the White Walkers did. That was a symbol yeah. they used, too. Uh, I don't know about that, but I don't think it's going to go crazy like that. If if it is, it would be, I think, a vision or something. I don't mm. think we're going to. They're going to get attacked by White Walkers or anything like that. Or it go it does go along with what we're talking about: regeneration, science, some kind of path, you know, some pathogen or some microbe or something they made, you know, something like that. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I just have to mention this. Peter chimes in. Was one of the guys in the bar fight Michael Bain from Aliens and the Terminator? <laughs> I, like, no, I, don't, I don't think so, Peter. You're an, no, that's what happens no. when you're in Australia, man. It just it warps <laughs> you. Um, oh, James, grandpa, brings up this was something that I really liked. And, and 
it was re- a really cool part of the episode, which you mentioned is when Rose and Navarro have their conversation. And by the way, they shoot the ceilings a lot in this show. Do you notice they, they try to show mm-hmm. the whole room. So they kind of tilt and push up and that's sometimes harder with the aspect ratio to be in the widescreen yeah. and show so much of the ceiling, but they do a good job of uh, framing shots like that. And, you know, you see the ceiling of her, like she's got all the, it just looks like everybody made their own house. Right. Um, but anyway, James says, when Rose talks to Navarro about what is happening in Ennis, she replies that Ennis is the epicenter of where the earth is coming apart. And he said, that sounds like a reference to the thinny or thinnies in the dark tower. And if you're a Stephen King fan or dark tower reader, I mean, this is a, a something that, Hey, you just talked about lost those points of power, but in verse mm-hmm. where like basically the worlds are, col- are like kind of sliding into each other or dissipating maybe because one world is becoming taken over by darkness, right? Or it's like a thin place, a place where the spirit world and the real world intersect, which is what it seems to be. So I think that, and and then Alex chimes in, that sounds a lot like Carcosa from season one. They describe right. Carcosa as the place where all kinds of weird shit happens because the veil between worlds is the thinnest. So it's another like spot in. And I think when you think about at least season two of True Detective, I think Pizzolatto was trying to push the idea that that fictitious town near LA or in Cal and whatever, wherever it was in California was also a place Vernon Vernon, where the, where like things happen that shouldn't, you know? Um, but that was a lot less supernatural. I don't think there was really supernatural in that one. No, it was more weird shit, but it felt like (laughs) that idea was there. But then again, it also felt a little bit like it was Chinatown, right? It's Chinatown, baby. Yeah. I, I think season two struggled a little bit where it was going and where, what it wanted to do. And it just seemed like season two for me, there was just too much going on. They really needed to trim it down. And I think that's where, um, you know, having it in one location, like in Ennis, Alaska makes it easier yeah. to, to really hit it home because when you're going around LA to all these different, you know, areas and stuff is just too, it gets too complicated. Yeah. LA baby, LA woman. LA. Um, the Yo, kids these woman. Days listen to the doors. The doors were really awesome. But doors took a lot of shit back in our time in like the nineties solo, you know, did they? I don't know. I think people did kind of make fun of, I don't know friends. I, I don't know. I guess people liked, well, Zeppelin the doors movie Hendrix, came out, you know, that's true. That's true. In the early nineties with Oliver Stone's yeah, film. So I'm wondering, yeah, I think there was like a revival yep, a little bit, yep. but then you had your camps of, Oh, the door, you know, was that not, I remember one time. Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was saying uh, one time I, uh, when I was in college, I was, when Pearl jam, you know, was of course getting big. And I was like, man, Eddie Vedder's the modern day Jim Morrison. And this one guy went off on me. No, he's not. Jim Morrison's the King, King crawling snake. And I'm like, I love Jim Morrison. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, Eddie Vedder's lyrics are very, you know, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the Serpent King. The Lizard King. 
the lizard king. I, I can do anything. King, and I can, I can do, do anything. And I was going to say, isn't that the most perfect casting in like Hollywood history? Val Kilmer. I mean, that was like, oh, and, oh God. Yeah. And he had to, he sent like tapes and stuff to Oliver Stone. He pushed for the role. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he wasn't like his first choice, but yeah, he, Val Kilmer was fantastic. It's Jim Morrison. Um, All right. Um, I'm kind of looking through. Oh, we did, we talked a little bit about the trailer, um, but what? Let, oh, yeah. But I want to ask about the trailer. So Clark bought this trailer so he and Annie could meet outside of the station. Why could she not come to the station because of the secret work they were doing there? Or was well, I mean, they mentioned while they weren't. I don't know. We don't know if they weren't allowed visitors, but they never uh, had visitors. Yes. But that, why? Was that a Tuttle thing? Was it something they signed? You know what, though? So can I say something? That does Please. not sound like the place that we see in the videos. It does not sound like a place where the mailman just walks in and is like, hey, everybody got your come get your supplies. Like, it just <laughs> I don't know that that was strange to me the way it was described in that scene. So that's why I'm kind of questioning it. Right. Like, right. Right. But, Cause it did seem like they were happy. Right. Yeah. TikTok seemed, videos, Ferris like Bueller, were a bunch of nerdy dudes watching Ferris yeah. Bueller and digging through ice. It didn't, but seem, again, that could be perception and rumor yeah. mill Yeah, because exactly. many Small of those people town. don't go there. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, granted the vending machine guy made trips there, but, um, he seemed to, you know, well, maybe I, I don't there know. Was a connect- That's why I think the thing with Annie, we don't know the connection between this, the Talal and the mine, right? That's, I think going to become central. And I'm thinking maybe next episode, we get a little bit more into this mine. And what did you say? Her name was Kate. Kate. Yeah. Right. Who she is. We, because I, that seems interesting to me, but was the trailer did they do that or did that happen after like yeah. Annie died and then Clark descended into this madness that's been described where he's walking around that, naked where he's babbling yeah and also that was that be. a dead body in the bed or was it just no a- it looked like the way they reacted to it it was like it was a dead body but that looked like a, a big ass voodoo doll yes okay that's what I thought too oh. um you know, that's the question because Annie Kay had the, the tattoo of the spiral. And then after she died, Clark got that done. Like four days after she died or something, he got it done ah, with the tattoo yes. artist. True. Good call. So, yeah, because I was thinking the two of them go there. They have a relationship. But are they doing all this weird shit? Or, yeah. did, you know, that's the thing. We don't know if they were in it together. And they were both struggling or what was going on with their relationship. Was it, you know, you know what I mean? Or did he go, like you said, did he go batshit crazy after she died? Got the tattoo, drew it. Yep. I have an idea. Talk to me, Goose. Perhaps he was trying. He was trying to bring her back to life by using both what is in the station, whatever they discovered there and her cultural mysticism right and her um uh shamanic ways or whatever and so Mm -hmm. it's like a it is kind of a mix of both of them combining of both worlds yeah yeah he kind of Um, and when she's awake could he be 
he was so connected to her. Like, oh my God, is Annie awake? Like, yeah, it he... seems like Annie's awake. And, and why is her tongue there? Why did her tongue appear? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so. What was that? I, that, that I, I was think I've been thinking about that. And that's why I think that they had something to do. The only thing we know, right, going back to the first episode, is that they don't know who committed this murder, right? That she right. was found in this, um, it looked like a uh, shipping container, right? Right. That she had been just like her body decimated even after she was dead, desecrated, and her tongue cut out, and they didn't find her tongue. Then they find the tongue in the station. A lot of people have been saying, you know, they cut her tongue out because she can't speak. When you put the tongue there, she's speaking. She's saying, these are the motherfuckers who killed me. Maybe she put the tongue that's, there. That's why it's supernatural there. form. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. It, it was she, what he reawoke. What he awoke was something more than he could handle. And per, perhaps it has possessed. I don't know. Could we see like a, like some kind of monster in this? Or so? I mean, I would actually be yeah. open to that. I, I'm, you know, I, you know, I like that crazy shit. But do the do the monster fold clothes? <laughs> no, but yeah. But, but I like, think those with ancient there's some there's got to be a time travel element to things because I love time travel. So I'm just yeah, gonna kind I of hope, insert I hope into not. It. I hope not. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, if it showed up, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock. Like, I would love it. I'd be very happy. That's the thing is we don't know. There's so we can speculate and with what information we have, we can theorize and try to figure things out, but. We, I really don't know. Is this just going to be, you know, a spiritual kind of science world that there's just murders or <laughs> is there something more at bay here? You know, I, I think more eh. so I'm still kind of feeling like first season where it's like the supernatural elements are a part of it, but a human had to do it. You know, so yeah, it's end. just it's just such a weird it's the bodies, the way they're like look like they're you know blocking themselves from something they're scared they're biting off their fingers oh, or whatever. you know it's like just the ears are bleed right burst yeah the, the ears eye. are bleeding out like it's just you know in, in danvers puts up you know talks about hypothermia and how you know yeah, you get to a point you where nuts, you feel so you warm that you're taking yeah so it, i mean that's they go through the justification but of what could have happened realistically but they don't seem to just believe that they feel there's something else going on because they want to ask the right questions and it's not just cut and dry. And one thing I'll say is with Danvers wanting to take this case on because even, uh, Conley and everyone else is like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to ship it. You know, we're going to push it to Anchorage and you don't have to worry about it. But she, she wants to take this case. Even Pete is like, so we don't have a forensics guy. We're going to send this thing. That's what we should do. And then Danvers kind of like, but we're not, <laughs> you know, and she kind of like, and of course, Conley's like, you're only taking doing this to, sh- to fuck me and oh, blah, blah, blah. But, I'm you know, maybe she does you. want answers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she does. Wa- <laughs> I think maybe she, she does, does so want well. answers. I think she, uh, every time Navarro, when they talked, you could see, uh, I feel like Navarro was her Pete before right like she was bringing her up she was and this case 
tore them apart in some way. And I think we'll find out more about that. Um, But I do think that Liz wants to find out what's happening here. And she knows, though, I think she's scared and that it could reveal things that people don't want to know. And um, obviously, you know, some crazy. Well, even Rose tells... Rose tells Navarro, you know, go home, get away. And then it's like, yeah. well, it's connected to Andy Kane. She's like, oh, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like, she knows what it is, you know. And she I'm like, is oh, great man. at delivering. That actress is great at delivering. Oh, she like Shaw's right? so Just good. out there, yeah. whatever, right? Um, yeah. What about when they're bringing in, they're bringing the, the, the bodies, like, to the ice rink, and they're playing a little St. Nick by the, the Beach oh, Boys? Oh, St. Nick. Run, run, reindeer. It's just like, I thought, I, you know me, I love music. And I love when music is used effectively in shows. But like Yellow Jackets, what happened to Yellow Jackets, where it became freaking, you know, what needle drops? It's like could Zack we... Snyder mic drops. It's too fucking much. It's like, too much. And uh, I thought this episode was a little too many different music I, cues yeah, and i was not a fan of some i was of, on the board yeah, i was on the border yeah, i wasn't yellow jackets territory where the, they they you know i i'd have the killing moon they do there. two versions of it yeah. you know by two different artists it's just like i was just like enough we got barry white we got kc and the sunshine band we got I, the beach boys i really hate that man we got and- spice girls <laughs> got, just <laughs> that's the one knock i will say yeah. That it was a little too much yeah. with the music this episode. Yeah, but I'll I'll say one thing, okay? At least it okay. doesn't commit the major sin that Yellow Jackets does too, where they're fucking cover songs. Because <laughs> yeah. cover songs, I'm tired. I never want to hear if I if there's a commercial and it's a cover, I just I'm like instantly annoyed. It's so played out or to slow down a 90s rock or rap song or something. It's just, it's too much. So I'm glad they haven't gone that way. Some of the songs were a bit much. I'll agree with you there, buddy. I'll definitely. Yeah, just a little. I'm, I'm a music snob and, and you, using it in TV and film. And I just was like, I hope they just don't go too crazy hey. with, with all the music. That, if um, that's our worst uh, complaint after. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. we should make, I don't want to make too much mention of it, but obviously this early on, and I think this show has taken some hits, some people who have a negative attitude on it, basically because it's two women that are starring in it. Um, well, I don't get it, but th- that's life. You know what I'm saying? That's, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, the deal fine. we live in America. Then don't watch it. Then yeah, don't watch exactly. It. That's that what I say. Just don't watch it. I mean, I think don't it's, a, this show it. has been amazing so far. Um, what else? There was something else I wanted to mention before we went out. Uh, oh, now that we have them together working on the case together, I, I, first of all, I liked how that just fell in line, right? Like she saw, oh shit, right? The picture, then she's right. at the, at her house. Where you, where do you keep the cans? We're working together. She's, I like the way Liz is like a realist. Like she might be annoyed at something she might but when something is happening she's a female sipowitz <laughs> yeah she's sipowitz all right uh oh well we won't see her ass that was what's it that was the other guy who showed us <laughs> <ass, David Caruso. laughs> um 
But anyway, now did we the, see Dennis Franz's ass? We didn't see did Dennis. You, maybe, Franz, maybe you did. I don't know. Maybe we so. saw them both. I don't we'll have remember. to rewatch the entire. We'll have to, series we'll have to do a rewatch. <laughs> uh, and podcast it at dvrpodcast.com. Um, but I'm looking forward to the next episode. I just that's what I, I kind of wanted to. I guess we're kind of ending it, going out here. But I think that's. I love the way they did that, and we're the team is back together now. We'll kind of see them out doing their thing because in this one we had like separate we were kind of bouncing back and forth and i like that they're going to be together i think that the two actresses work very well together i like that they're they kind of attract each other right there's like a chemistry there and i think that it also opens up to maybe we're going to get some action or something because one of the things we had both been talking about is like the set pieces of of seasons one and two like the singular shot i wonder maybe they'll chase clark down and we'll get like a cool like snow maybe they'll be like on on uh snowmobiles or going through the uh, <laughs> something. In a truck or some shit i don't know give me something but anyway it's just me but, uh, Navar- but i will say this as much as you know i love jodie foster and she's phenomenal in this um is it kylie reese or kaylee reese uh, i think do you know how to I pronounce think, i th- I, don't I don't know actually I'll, okay i don't know I want to say Kaylee Reese, Kylie Reese. Well, Miss, Miss Reese of Providence, Rhode Island. She's awesome. And I love that. We have an actress that most of us probably haven't seen her in anything. We know about her. What we mentioned about her boxing career on HBO. Um, but like there's something about it. She's just, she's just perfect. And I love the two of them and I'm so happy they're going to be working together. It just, you know, and, and that's what we've had through four seasons of, true detective we've had people who maybe don't like each other Mm -hmm. or who are totally different working together for a common goal and i like that dynamic because it's not just you know hank Pryor and you know joe simpson and they love each other and they drink together all the time i like a little tension yeah uh and so it it, 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 i think it's going to be great uh it's just sad there's four episodes left that's it but it mirrors are other seasons where they get back together, right? Like, they, oh yeah, that's they, a great point. I just kind of thought of. Oh it yeah, you're, you're saying right. it because they you're were right. together before. You're right. Now they get back together, and that's the same thing that happened in season four and season one. I mean, season three and season one. I can't remember if that was the and case two. in season. Oh no, it was. in two. Yes, that's right. Yep. Because after the big shootout in two, there's a passage of time of like exactly. two months. And then they they you know they kind of come they back find each other right. the three of them like through uh, uh, the one actress she's in everything and uh, that you know it's like a secret black op not black ops but it's off the books thing and then they get back together after two months so interesting um, so yeah it does happen. All right. Well, so you're gonna you're gonna get a room at the Arctic Chalet? <laughs> yeah, or? yeah, I'm checking in tomorrow night. Um, this right, has been cool. a great episode solo. Um, I had a lot of fun, dude. And we're, we're hitting it on. This is reminding me of some Mindhunter shit, dude. Cause this is having the depth yeah. and great acting, cinematography, really fantastic. And I really do want to say, I want to uh, give a shout out to everyone who's downloading the show. Everyone who's listening. We really do appreciate it. If you share it with other people, um, we've been looking at some of the numbers and making the iTunes list or Apple podcast. They call it now, I guess. 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is always makes you feel good. That's awesome. Please email us, uh, dailydvr at gmail.com. Go to the website, dvrpodcast.com. Check us out on the Facebook, Daily DVR, a TV and film group. And we'll talk about this episode and next episode. It's going to be awesome. I don't know, any last words there, Solo? No, I just, yeah, everyone who's uh, into this, let's, let's enjoy it together. And I'm glad you're downloading and listening. Send us an email, even if it's just to say hi and where you're from. And, you know, hey, you know, leave us a review if you can. It just helps our podcasts, you know, get more noticed. We do we do this because we, you know, True Detective, because we love these types of shows. And like we've done Mayor of Kingstown and Mindhunter and True D season three. So it's just like this is kind of our you know, we do a lot of Game of Thrones. We do House of Dragon, all kinds of stuff. But this this is like a me and Axel. We love doing these types of uh, crime dramas that are, are more than just my favorite Law and Order. Uh, they go more in depth, but we appreciate it. And um, but the one thing I'll say, Axel, is I can't believe the fucker didn't even pay his tab. I mean, that dude left. He so, left Jules hanging. So wait a second. I have to interrupt your ending because I did forget that we had two pretty awesome emails from Andy and Brett. Oh, bonus, bonus material. I'm but, not going to say it again. So the, I usually end with a stupid <laughs> quote from the show. So that will be my stupid quote for the for the end of the show. But let's get let's hit those emails. Okay, this is this is if we don't hit them, we're we're going to be in trouble with our yes, around the couch. Exactly, co-hosts. exactly. So we have to well, with this little bonus content for those those uh, who who want to who haven't shut off that yeah. shut off by now. Uh, Brett says the spiral is a symbol of ancient energy older than the ice, as Rose said. The source of this energy is the microorganism that the scientists are looking for. The microorganism lives in the ice and it uses photosynthesis to store sunlight like a solar panel during its hibernation period. The hibernation ends at the final sunset when it awakens. The incident at Talal Station coincided with the final sunset. After two decades of research, the scientists finally had a breakthrough, though they couldn't enjoy it. Perhaps coming from the cores they drilled out, there was an energy release inside the station so large that it scorched their eyes blew their eardrums and froze their muscles in their state of panic. Perhaps it was similar to an EMP since it broke the DVD player and caused the Ferris Bueller scene to get stuck. Raymond Clark was protected from the blast because of his spiral tattoo. This symbol had been tattooed on the bodies of indigenous people for millennia to protect against this mystical force in the night. He was the first one to know what was coming because he could feel the energy in his tattoo causing him to convulse. Perhaps he also witnessed the tongue start to move, which up to that point was an inanimate human tissue sample. To try to save his colleagues after the incident, Raymond stripped them down and buried them in the snow. The microorganism in the ice was believed to have regenerative properties and possibly revive cellular activity. This move may have been successful for one frozen man who shrieked after having his arm broken off. Holy crap. <laughs> Dude, Brett, Brett stole that from me. And that's word for word in my journal. I told you we should read these. Um, is Travis, well, could, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if he's saved because he had the tattoo, 
is that was he trying to draw the tattoo on the others to save them at the last minute oh shit and that's why lund one only one lund got it and he survived yeah he you know just about that but he survived maybe i like that that the the symbol actually maybe brett was going to say that to try to save his colleagues he stripped them down and wrote the symbol maybe on them or he was trying to, he was yeah. trying to, and it just didn't work. But one of them did kind of get say, you know, he's alive. Oh, um, one with the symbol. That's Brett has a theory about Travis too. I'm not ready to say he's alive, but I believe he knew about the mysterious energy and walked into the snow as a last ditch effort to cure his cancer. Oh yeah. Cause he did. He wanted to go out. I mean, Rose says, you know, he wanted to go out his way and plunge into the ice versus dying of leukemia. Ah. Cold plunge, man. Cold. I bet you Brett's doing one right now. He is. Who Listen killed Annie Kay? Could it have been Raymond Clark? He had been crying often, perhaps overcome with guilt. Suppose a scientist, after years of working by themselves, wanted an indigenous person to stay with them at the station either to assist them or possibly be, be part of the experiment. I hadn't thought about that, that she was somehow a part of it, that the thing I described, oh. like them putting them together, maybe they were doing that before. Remember teacher dude told Danvers, he has, after years of isolation, the scientists were rumored to be losing their grip on sanity. Oh, wow. That's interesting. The phrase she's awake but the pronoun she may also be referring to Annie or the force itself. And we, yeah, we talked about that. The blue queen. Yeah, blue queen. Brett just blew our mind at the end Dude, of the podcast. Best part of the podcast. And you almost didn't read it. I know. Wait, I got to get Andy's now. I've got to do a little refresh here. And, and Andy's is just, hey, great pod, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's like, whatever Brett said. Um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> let's see. I don't have any huge theories, but I'm sticking to my idea that something in the environment, water or something was found deep in the ground, making uh, by the mining company and or the station. The folded clothes by the dead bodies was interesting. It seemed like the assumption is the killer did that. They even mentioned why would what would be so scary? You would go naked outside or something like that. What if they took their clothes off and folded them themselves? With all the talk about the scientists looking for a game changer, maybe they thought they found the fountain of youth or some other healing water and jumped in willingly, or the con- killer convinced them that was the thing to do, like drinking the Kool-Aid kind of thing. Ah, I mentioned that earlier. Um, the detectives have said multiple times you're asking the wrong question. I'm nearly certain this is also directly telling us audience this as well. I'm starting to think the killer doesn't really matter. But something else does. What do you think about those things that Brett has said? Hmm. Well, Andy said that, right? Oh, I, Andy, I'm sorry. I got confused. Yeah, gee, Brett, BTK gee, sorry, Andy, Brett. Uh, yeah, Axel, and I'm calling Axel Brett now. Axel's trying to give away your... No, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's possible. Mm-hmm. I, You know, I... I'd love, I mean, that's one of the great things about this. Everyone from all ends of the earth are coming up with theories and different things. And it makes us think, and that's, you know, if a show can, um, influence us to 
think about stuff like this. You know, you know, it, it makes it a lot, it makes it fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I, I wish I, I don't have personally, I don't have a definite answer what's going on, uh, or a, a strong theory that I, I think is right. I have, you know, my thoughts on different things, but, um, I think I'm going to wait till the finale's over for me to come up with a theory as well. I, I like that. I, but you know what? <laughs> I, I love the image of them folding their own clothes and then just standing there waiting to be frozen or something i, I like, just that's a just, cool image i just yeah that part makes a lot of sense to me because why would someone just fold their clothes i don't know while they're like suffering this you is know <laughs> it's there's gonna be a lot of shrinkage going on there too jerry this guy um, it's got to be something ritual yeah with that yep um so last thing ando says As we leave, I promise this is the last thing. No one else wrote an email that I forgot about, Um, except for- I just sent you one, buddy. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, I got it right here. End the fucking podcast, Foley. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Christoph sent us an email just saying he liked our podcast. Thank you, Christoph. Thank you, Christoph. This is the final thing that Andy just says. We talked a little bit about this before, but he says, how would you feel if Rust Cole himself shows up? Do you want it to happen? He says, I'm torn. I think it might be a little clunky or corny. But then he reminds us that McConaughey and Foster are friends. He he believes. He doesn't know them personally. But he loved them in <laughs> contact. Remember, they were in contact together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that would be another reunion on the show. So I think it would be cool. I think we both said, hey, want, it's how they do yeah. it, right? Any, any McConaughey is good with me, yep. just as long as they do it in the right way. Exactly. Um, you know, and, yep. and he brings Lone Star beer with him <laughs> and sells it for five, $50 a can. Yes, sir. Well, Solo, I'm not going to ask you for another quote. Do you have one, though? Yeah. No, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. Okay. Because, what? I mean, why would I want to give another quote as I'm looking through my notes to see if I wrote another one? <laughs> Um. Uh, well, anyway, yeah. No, go no, to dot com, and uh, I don't know. Don't go out naked into the cold. You could get frozen. But anyway, we'll be back next week. DVRpodcast.com. We love you. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Peace.